The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Wednesday, February 14, 2024, on the basis of Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. So let's say tomorrow morning you woke up and decided that you were going to run a marathon that very day. No matter what kind of shape you're in, no matter whether you had been doing any amount of training or not, you were going to use just your own two feet to run or walk if necessary 26 miles all in one day. If you completed that task, do you think, do you think your body would be aware of what you had just put it through? Do you think you would feel what you had just experienced? Let's say tomorrow morning you woke up and you decided not just to run a marathon. Let's say you decided to run a marathon every day for the next 90 days. No matter how you felt, no matter what else was going on, every single day another 26 miles. Do you think that while you were going through that process, you would be aware, you would be feeling, and you would be sensing that it was in fact going on? The answer seems pretty obvious that yes, of course, you would. And yet, do you realize that you could pretty much do that exact thing? You could pretty much put your body through that exact experience without even being aware of it. Of course, you'd have to trade in your running shoes for an inner tube. And you'd have to go way up into northern Minnesota to Lake Itasca. And right there at the headwaters of the Mississippi River, you'd have to hop on that inner tube. And from that point forward, Every single day for the next 90 days, you would cover pretty much a marathon, pretty much 26 miles. 90 days in a row, 2,350 miles total down the Mississippi River you would go. Had you started that journey on November 15th, you would have arrived in New Orleans, Louisiana yesterday, just in time for Mardi Gras. And all the while, aside from the change of scenery, you would not really feel, you would not really sense what was going on. And that's the power of a current. A current, like the current of a great river, is a very powerful thing, not only for the distance that it can transport things, but the way that it can do so in a way that is almost imperceptible. And over the course of the next 40 days, Starting tonight, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about currents. Not literal currents found in rivers, but other figurative currents that are found in our world. Currents that are powerful enough to take us far, 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 far away from our God. But not in the kind of way that it will put us on the evening news. Not in the kind of way that will make the police report in the Mount Horeb Mail. Not in the kind of way that even generates a little bit of small town gossip. No, instead we'll be talking about currents that can take us far, far away from our God without anybody really getting upset. Without anybody really getting hurt. Without anybody, and maybe even us, not even noticing. Jesus identifies one 
such current in these verses from Luke chapter 12, the current that he identifies as greed. Just prior to these verses, Luke had told us that a crowd of many thousands of people had gathered around to listen to Jesus talk, and all of a sudden, one man in the crowd shouts a question to Jesus. He says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Clearly, this was a man who had been carried away carried far, far away from God by this current of greed. I mean, just think about this for a second. First of all, he is willing to let this dispute divide him from his family. He's willing to let this money come between him and his brother. Second of all, he's willing to take what amounts to a, a private affair and bring it into full public view to air all of their dirty family laundry in front of all of these thousands of people. On top of that, he's evidently willing to squander perhaps what is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to ask a question of Jesus, to have Jesus' full attention on something like this. Clearly, any of the many other things that would have been more important to ask for Jesus' attention for weren't all that important to this man. And finally, it doesn't even dawn on him that he and his brother have been arguing over a dead man's money. If it had dawned on him, he would realize that no matter who ended up with the inheritance, one day very soon that person would also be dead and other people would be arguing over the very same property. And so very clearly this man has been carried far, far away from the current that Jesus correctly identifies as greed. And Jesus defines that current in this way. He says that greed is when your life consists in the abundance of your possessions. So greed is when someone says, my life, my, the be-all and end-all of my life is defined by what I know, by what I own. And of course, when you put it that way, no one signs up for greed, do they? No one says, yes, that's the kind of life that I want. I want the kind of life where stuff is more important to me than people. I want the kind of life where the stuff that I own and the stuff that I possess is the very thing that defines me and who I am. Nobody willingly and knowingly signs up for a life of greed, and that's exactly the power of a current. It has the ability to take us far, far away from our God in a way that is often completely imperceptible. And so what, are we, what we are going to see for these next 40 days of Lent is we are going to see Jesus do exactly what he did for the man in these verses. We are going to see Jesus take that current that is so often imperceptible and to help us see it. In this case, Jesus says to the man and really says to the whole crowd, watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. We are going to see Jesus tell us where this current is taking us, and we are going to see Jesus establish a completely alternate and different pattern that he wants to have pull on our lives. In this case, Jesus says, your life should not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And so it's almost as if what Jesus is going to do for us is what would happen if you were to take a stick and plant it right in the middle of a gently flowing stream. 
even if up until that point you couldn't tell that the water was moving. As soon as you put that stick and plant it into the ground, suddenly you can, right? Because the water needs to go around that stick. And so suddenly you can see where and how the current is pulling. That's what Jesus does for us. In fact, just to take the, the analogy just a step farther, what Jesus actually does is he plants his own two feet right in the middle of that current. Jesus takes a stand against the worldly currents that would pull us away from God, and he stands in firm opposition to them. It's not simply as though Jesus kind of points out an alternate path to us, a path that we then have to establish for ourselves. Instead, Jesus, with his life and his death, establishes the opposition to those worldly currents, leaving nothing for us to do but to fix our eyes on him and hold on for dear life through faith. Well, but what if we don't? I mean, going tubing down a gently flowing river kind of sounds like fun, doesn't it? It's kind of fun to find out where the destination is going to be. And so long as we are cruising down those worldly currents, we'll certainly always have plenty of company, won't we? Yes, at some point, of course, we need to, we need to bring the ride to an end. We need to hold on to Jesus and let that current go on without us. But we've got time for that, don't we? That can wait for another day, can't it? Well, that's another reason why Jesus' words for us this evening are so important. And that's the reason Ash Wednesday is so important. Because both Jesus' words and Ash Wednesday point out to us in very vivid and stark detail what is waiting for us downriver. The ashes of Ash Wednesday are a vivid reminder of our own mortality. And so this river of worldly currents that have such a strong pull on us, it doesn't lead down to some nice white sand beach on the Gulf of Mexico. Instead, this is a river that eventually leads to the certain and deadly fall of a Niagara Falls. And yet, unlike Niagara Falls, the death that is in store for us is not something that we can pinpoint on a map. It's not something that we will always hear or see coming. For all we know, it might happen in the next 40 days. For all we know, it might happen before our next birthday. For all we know, it might happen before we live to meet our grandchildren, or before we graduate from high school, or before we learn to tie our shoes. If I were the superstitious type, I would knock on every piece of wood that I could possibly find, but for all we know, it could happen this very night. We don't like to hear that, but that's the God's honest truth. And that's exactly what Jesus wanted to say, both to that man and to the entire crowd around him. Jesus went on by telling this little story about a man who also had clearly been carried away by the current of greed. And his greed had sort of paid off for him. He had this miraculous, abundant harvest so that he had all that he needed for many, many years to come. And he thought he had many years ahead where he would be able to take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And then he heard the awful news. This very night, 
your life will be demanded from you. And so no, fixing our eyes on Jesus, holding on to him for dear life, refusing to let those worldly currents drag us little by little farther and farther away from God, it can't wait for tomorrow. The time to hold on to Jesus for dear life is now. And so thank goodness that as we gather here tonight at the start of Lent, God has blessed us with a now. He has blessed us with a today. And not only that, but as we heard in the words of the prophet Joel, we have a God who is compassionate and gracious. We have a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love. And what that means for you today is that whatever happened yesterday, whatever happens to lie upriver for you, it doesn't matter. Because at whatever point you turn to Jesus for forgiveness, you will have it. Because he loves you. And in fact, for the next 40 days, we're going to see him prove that love to you. So yes, fix your eyes on him. Hold on to him for dear life. As we follow him, as he lives, and as he dies, also that we who turn to him for forgiveness would live. Amen.